A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My old friend, I've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in Um, so yeah, I've just uh, precursor to starting this podcast, I actually did just forget who we just played. Because um, as Philip, our guest, hello Phil, how are you doing, mate? Hello there. Ter- Qu- terrible. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Quite rightly said, it's uh, it's the same ruddy game all the time, um, and it definitely feels that way at the moment, doesn't it? That's the third. Third successive loss now for Antonio Conte. How? You, I mean, you're feeling terrible. I've already asked you, so I'm not going to ask you how you're feeling. But what are any hot takes off the bat? Um, unfortunately, that, that, I think that's the problem, isn't it? There isn't any hot takes. It's just the same old shite. And I think that uh, it's just mistakes, isn't it, Jack? Jack, it's it's mistakes. It's it's any sort of pressure and. We just fold, and that has been the case for like twenty years. Like, how is this possible? You say what you want about Conte, and you know, possible takeovers and blah blah blah. We've seen so many iterations of this football club, as again over the last couple of decades, and it's just the same thing that undoes us. I can't. I mean, you know, you, you watch other games, and you're not as emotionally invested in other teams, so you might kind of view it a bit differently. But I swear that the way that we lose games is down to us most of the time. I've, I, I just don't see other teams making the sort of mistakes and losing their asses like we do. And, you know, what What was it? 20 minutes yesterday, we were 2-0 down. And that, you know, you think, yeah, I think even the commentators were saying, oh, there's still a long way to go. Yeah, right, you get goal back and it's all changed. But I had no confidence that we were going to be able to do anything in that game and just had the hump for the for the next 70 minutes because you can just tell we're, we're just not up to it upstairs in our brains and it's just really kind of demoralizing and just and again I think I said to you yesterday that the the fact that we've got another season which is just going to be a write-off and that means, you know, potentially no Champions League football for next season as well. So it's another, I'm just, it's just so exhausting and so 
boring and repetitive. Well, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, in terms of other clubs, ironically enough, I think probably one of the only other clubs I can think that often does what we do is probably someone like Everton. Um, and probably prior to that, somebody like Manchester City. And I think we've seen really what it's taken for Manchester City to to get to where they are now, which is a hell of a lot of money. You know, even when they first kind of had their first sort of takeovers before before Mansour came in, yeah, uh, they who was they had a sort of they had a, a, a miniature takeover first, didn't they? And it was kind of that was the sort of Rubinho era players like that that they they signed in, and then Mansour came in slightly later. If I'm correct, it's insane. But yeah, from right. from that point to now, like even those first few years when they were signing a lot of players, they were still a bit of a joke, weren't they? You know, and we we managed to turn them over for the for the fourth place when Crouch scored at the Etihad, and that was that that felt really kind of symbolic because it was it's probably sort of similar to how it will be with Newcastle in a few years' time. It's kind of like we're going to enjoy this one over you for now because we know it's all going to change soon and. It does. I don't know. It's just worrying. It's seeing another manager come in who's. I mean, I, I don't want to be churlish and say supposedly top class, but you know, I, I have some reservations at the moment. But still, supposedly world class in Antonio Conte, who I don't blame him entirely. I don't. I don't even blame him halfway. Um, I still think. I think he's got some culpability. But regardless, we've seen him. Whatever you want to say about him, Jose Mourinho before that. I mean, let's just forget Nuno. Really, Easily done. Two, yeah, two top-class managers, really, that have, or at least managers who have a, a, a glittering history of trophies and the like, that have managed to really get a tune out of out of this top. I mean, I mean, yesterday, mate, that that was like the fucking. The death, the death throes of the Mourinho era again, and again at Southampton it was. You know, yeah. it, was, it was seen as kind of just go out so meekly, so limply, and it's. I don't know. I'm I'm very torn at the moment, mate, because I do think Conte has. I don't. I don't think the hand he's in, has inherited really is as as bad as people make out that it is. I th- I think we do have some good players. Um potentially not top four quality players we're kind of it's hard to say if we're in a false position or not isn't it because you kind of it almost feels like nobody wants the fourth place this year again um but yeah yeah I, I think that it's it's so hard at the moment to be able to kind of compare teams just because simply there's so many sort of games in hand dotted around especially around the fourth place um the race for fourth so yeah um i think that you know this this is the the problem with our squad certainly and you know it's kind of why we are where we are or or as high as was because we're so lopsided now we rebalanced it a little bit i think in january even with just benton kerr but we've just got really in, in in key positions really really poor players and no depth i mean you know Sessegnon came off yesterday. I don't think he was at fault really for anything. I mean, you know, he, he wasn't a standout player or anything, but that just summed us up. You know, we, 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 we were crying out to have someone, you know, if, if we had another right back on the pitch or, or a player that could play right back, then it would have been Doherty 100% coming off in that change. But because we didn't, we had Ben Davis 
who can play left back, allegedly. It was Sessegnon that came off and that just sums it up. We had to kind of weaken ourselves to make a change, which is, you know, it, again, that just sums up where we are and it's, it's it all just comes down to the mismanagement of the squad. And, and that's the thing we've just, I think what's so frustrating about it. And again, January is January. You're not going to be able to completely revitalize the problem areas of your team unless you play an absolute blinder. It's just not the time to really be able to do it. But the fact that the transfer window has just closed and we've still, we still can't hack it. We still just got so many problem areas in our in our squad. It's so, as I said at the start, demoralising to kind of face up to the next few months and just, you know, because you talk about top four race, right? Wolves and Southampton at home, those, all respect to them, those are the games that you should be winning because you're going to, and case in point, we've got some really tough away fixtures coming up now and it's completely done us in dropping points in those two games on paper. You know, it doesn't mean we deserved anything from those games or should have had any, uh, just, just being positive about going into those games. But it's just what we're faced with now, another few months of just toiling and ridiculous decision-making from our apparently senior players. And I just I just don't hold out any hope. And it's, it's I think what's so um, tiring about it is that only a few weeks ago, you know, when we beat Brighton, the Leicester game was a bit of a, you know, a, 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 a bit of a chaotic thing. And um, I don't know if you can take much from that, but it all seemed all right a couple of weeks ago. And then two games later, and then suddenly that it's just the the reality of it that we probably knew is just coming, and it's biting hard. So the reason why I've kind of I've had this, I don't know, I've sort of pussyfooted around my feelings on Antonio Conte thus far in this pod, but one thing I sort of want to touch on, just I don't know, because I, I do I do agree in the squad mismanagement. I do kind of agree with the fact that we've. I don't know, probably not identified the correct signings at the right time or whatever. I mean, I still think there's a bit of like revising history here. We were all pretty happy when we signed Ndombele. You know, he seemed like the the player that we needed. Um, and I guess, you know, one, one would argue that we're just fans. We're a kind of uneducated view and that the people actually who are paid a lot of money to do this job should have seen that he wasn't the right fit. But I digress. Um the issue I sort of have at the moment is, it, and I do say it's all feeling a bit Mourinho at the moment, because it just seems like we'd found, we'd sort of, you know, we, we know, we know that the squad isn't where it's, where it, where it should be at the moment. We know we haven't replaced that well, but at the same time, that, that was never going to change overnight. And I, I am starting to find it quite galling, basically seeing Conte slag the club off in pretty much every press conference he does now slag off all the players because I just think well, even if you were signing for Chelsea or Man City right we do need a like there's there's like you've just touched on there there's so much to rebuild and that is slapping us around the face now but surely he's seen that like he's a smart guy Conte he knows what Tottenham have been for the past few years I don't really get what he was expecting I mean did, did he actually think that we were going to spend because I mean We've what we spent seventy mil in this window in January. Arguably, we would have probably spent closer to a hundred if Adama, 
not had ended up going to Barcelona, which again I don't think is any poor reflection on Tottenham for no, what it's worth. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just, I don't, I don't quite get it. I'm, I don't really get like you've got the players, right? They are what they are now. Yeah, they're not perfect. We all know that. But if you're relying on them till summer, what's the? I just don't understand the point of like digging them out constantly now. Just kind of, just sort of get on with it. Um, because it, it is starting to irritate me a bit, you know. I it and I think my my biggest fear about content. I had this sort of I flip flopped on this so much because I had this problem in the summer when we were after him, and I sort of questioned whether or not he was the right fit for a club like Tottenham. And then obviously we went through the Nuno shit, and we were linked with Conte again. And I was just like, bang, get him done, please, come on. Whatever yeah. I said about him, get it done. But again, I am finding myself in this position of like, look, here we have a guy who. I'm not going to doubt his his ability to manage a top level team. I'm not at all. He's obviously brilliant. He's 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 won nearly the lot that you can win in football. But at the same time, with managers like him, there comes a certain. I don't know. They've got they've got to preserve their ego. They've got to preserve their reputation at the same time as doing a good job for Tottenham. It was it was fine when we had Pochettino because he was a sort of unheard of. He, I, I would probably, I would liken him almost directly to a Potter now at Brighton. That's probably mm-hmm. what Pochettino was—that kind of young manager that's doing good things with a lower league team, but people aren't quite sure whether or not they want to take a punt on them. The sort of stars aligned, and you know, we didn't get um, De Boer, I think it was in the end, or what's his name, the other Dutch one as well that ended up going Van Hal. And so we ended up with sort of Pochettino as a byproduct of that. And it worked because he was a young manager that hadn't really achieved anything yet. And arguably people would say he still hasn't, but hadn't achieved anything notable at that point other than getting Southampton playing all right football. So he was he was wedded to the project. He was wedded to the fact he'd had a step up in a club like Tottenham. He was sort of wearing that with pride. And he wanted to, he believed that he could turn them into a sleeping giant. And well, he could t- take this sleeping giant and turn them into something great, something better than what we'd seen ever. And he did that, um, arguably, but at least in the Premier League era. And now I, I just, again, I'm sort of coming back to this place with Conte where I'm like, look, we got this fella who he is brilliant. And I, I don't, you know, I, I understand it. I, I get it. You know, I get it fucking tweeted at me in varying degrees of <laughs> whatever tone. But yes, I, I totally, I totally understand the point. If you back him, this is Antonio Conte. He's one of the best managers. Yeah, that's all. That's all well and good. But the reality is, the reality is, and we can probably half dig out the ownership on this. But then also, I think we need to get real on this. That you know, we aren't. We aren't Manchester City or Chelsea for a start. We're not Manchester United either, who can't really compare with those two in terms of financing, but are still probably in a little league of their own. Like we're, we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give anybody, we're not gonna give any single manager at all three hundred, four hundred million pounds in this first transfer window to turn this club around. Like, which is probably what it needs over time. It probably needs hundreds and hundreds of millions to get the club fit and firing again. But that isn't going to happen, right? And so, as we're already seeing now, Conte, I think he said in that, not in the press conference, in the post-match when he was wearing the cap and he was pitch side, 
And he was saying something like, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot of patience and that I'm not, I'm not the most patient or something like this. And I'm thinking like, well, oh, fucking hell, mate. Like, I just, I just, what are you doing? Like, what, what, what's the club doing again? What, why are we doing this? Is it just another vanity hire? Maybe it's not, you know, again, like I say, it, it was an amazing appointment, but I'm just, I'm, on paper it was anyway, I'm just questioning whether or not Spurs have actually sort of, done themselves again if we're going to waste another two years now on a guy who's going to try as he might to get a tune out of these players when really you know it just seems like he's the manager you bring in when we're primed to win something not when we're in the stages of a fucking rebuild and that's what we're in right now you know we the team needs to be rebuilt we don't need the finisher we don't need the closer here um I don't know what do you what do you think of it, mate? Because I'm, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, knots. no, I mean, it, I, I, and I think that's actually quite pertinent tying yourself in knots because I'm, I don't have anything against Conte necessarily. Yeah, right. You know, his system might not match these players, and it continues to, play and all that sort of thing. But that's minor. I'm just a bit more like you, I guess, in the in the sense that what what is he doing here? What, what what is he getting out of this? You know that that stuff about patience the other day, uh, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Patience. You know, we we all know the state of our squad. We all know it needs to be um, refreshed or changed. Doesn't necessarily need like hundreds of millions of pounds. It just needs the money to be that we do have to be spent correctly. Um, it does get my back up to be said, we need to be patient. Again, 20 years we've been putting up with this shite. <laughs> and I know people say, you know, football's not like that. I know. But also, don't tell me to be fucking patient, right? <laughs> I get it. But, you know, pick your words a bit. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's right. Yeah, I want to be winning the league. Da, da, da. I was like, so why are you at Tottenham then? Why are you at Tottenham where, all right, we don't know that, complete ins and outs of the club but everyone has a kind of a broad idea and a pretty much accurate with what Tottenham is trying to trying to expand trying to improve big stadium Champions League final dropped off squad is lopsided if not in parts completely terrible needs changing everyone in the kind of football world knows that why, why did Antonio Conte come to Tottenham <laughs> I don't it, it still just doesn't that question hasn't really been answered for me. You know, we, we've started to hear about um, takeovers on the horizon that suddenly sort of come up and, you know, there seems to have been actual bids in that have been turned down. Is there something in that, that that he's here because he knows, you know, coming for this season, see us over the line and the next season, everything, you know, the whole landscape of the club will be different. That to me gives a reason why he's here. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that's the case, but... I don't, I don't, I don't get it at the moment. I don't. I, it doesn't feel like it's as you say. It doesn't feel. It, I, I feel like I'm missing something. Is my point with this? You know. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just blabbering now. But I just, it's just, it's all so unclear as to what we're doing. It's bizarre, though, isn't it? it, it it's. I mean. I kind of I get it with Ben Tanker. He seems like a, a sort of good acquisition. But even with Kulisevsky, like I'm not I'm not really digging him out as a as an individual. I just mean more in terms of like 
was that was that really a problem area of the pitch? Because I, I I get it. People are saying, oh well, you know, he can be played as a number ten, and I think we sort of half deployed him as a number ten after about half an hour yesterday when he brought yeah. him on the pitch. But from what we've seen. I guess we can't really draw a, an opinion, but it it just seems that that was the the least problematic area. These kind of wing forwards, attacking midfielder type players that we really needed to address at this time. So, it, 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 just to your point, it's it's hard to see what what the thinking is when you know we have needed a couple of wing backs. We have needed a kind of probably a more tough tackling midfielder. We have needed a backup striker for Kane, which I mean, I know people are trying to do a bit of mental gymnastics at the moment in saying that Kulisevsky can potentially be that, but we're obviously not. We're obviously haven't bought him for that. Can he play in goal as well? Like this guy has been pegged as a right back, right wing back, a striker, a number 10, a winger. To be honest, he looked, just to touch on what you said there about, I think, what has he played? Probably about an hour hours worth of minutes over the last few games that's probably a fair if if not probably a bit more he looked all right in a number 10 when when they finally moved him into there yesterday he, he that actually looked like his more natural game he doesn't look like a winger he doesn't look like he could actually be molded into play a right wing back at all definitely so, not not in this context if matt doherty's not athletic enough this lad definitely isn't yeah, and that just feels like a Gio Dos Santos signing when, you know, after Berbatov went and then Levy had the gall to come on um, the Spurs website and say, we have signed a striker, Gio Dos Santos. <laughs> Gio Dos Santos can play there. And everyone was like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> Don't mug us off like that. But anyway, you know, that's that's kind of beside the point. But um, but yeah, um, again, look at the state of what happened yesterday. Well, our last sub was bringing on Emerson, who's been absolutely rightly pillared for his performances. I mean, he was abject what, against go- Southampton. It's, it's honestly it was laughable, one of, unfortunately. Honestly, one of the worst Tottenham performances I've seen in my lifetime. Honestly, yeah, yeah. No. I think I said to you that I, I don't think I remember seeing Gilberto, who is you know the much vaunted, <laughs> awful, worst player that Spurs have ever signed. I don't think I'd ever seen him put a performance in quite as bad as that, where everything he seemed to do was not just bad, but it put us into trouble. I mean, to be fair, we did bring him on once and take him off after literally about 15 minutes. Do you remember? Yeah, well, well, I don't remember that. <laughs> that <enough. laughs> in that European game, he came on and like gave a goal away immediately. And then just like, his, you could see his head just wasn't in it. I think it, I, I honestly think he might have even been having some sort of mental trouble or something like that because he was just like not having it. And I, I think we yeah. took him off straight away. But I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um, yeah, what were we talking about? I've cut off the top things about Gilberto. Uh, just you know, just essentially the squad, the state of it, where we're at. You know, the lack of idea, what where we're going because it's. You know, I think one of the things that sort of stood out for me from yesterday, and I, I, this is again, this is obviously projecting my own thoughts and feelings onto a situation, but that's what we all do at the end of the day. I'm just a fucking podcaster. I'm not a professional coach or something like that. Uh, you, you know. My my anxiety about him sort of digging these players out, saying we haven't got the squad, we haven't got the players to achieve mm. this, to achieve that. Fine, like you know, whatever. If we want to champion this as home truths or whatever, great. But then don't be surprised when it looks like half of them aren't fucking playing for him anymore, because that's honestly how it's felt to me in Southampton, especially that Wolves game. 
you know, he can stand around on. The, and I think another thing I take while we're on fucking content, I'm digging him out. Another thing that's <laughs> winding me up, mate, is always talking about the players and they're keeping their emotions in check. Mate, you were the fucking one shushing the Southampton bench at two one the other night before they fucking told you before your own coaches told you to calm down and we ended up losing three two. So do you know what I mean? Like, there's a fucking there's a lot of hypocrisy going on with this fella, yeah. and I I do have to hastily make the point that I do think he's actually a brilliant manager, and I do feel probably quite privileged in a way that Tottenham have him in charge. But at the same time, the fella isn't infallible. I'm not buying into this fucking, this cult-like aura around him on Twitter at the moment where we are just lowly little Tottenham and we just have to suckle from his teat and, you know, whatever, consume every single kind of morsel that he gives us. He deigns... Fuck off, man. At the end of the day, we're paying the fella to do a job. And at the moment, he's doing a pretty shit job of it. Um, yeah, I mean... Look, this I, fucking I think... the two in the middle, lot. come on. Yeah, Everybody yeah. can see it's not working. Like I say, I'm a fucking gobshite podcaster. I can see it's not fucking working. The best the best we've played this this year is with the 3-5-2. Just fucking just play it. Like, you're supposed to be a fucking genius. You get paid <laughs> shitloads. Sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so just I'm, I'm picking your uh, diatribe on him there, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it, I, I don't think I have the kind of vocabulary at the moment. I watched the Super Bowl yesterday, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not firing all cylinders. But are you I, are you chewing on ass today, bro? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Too many uh, Millers. <laughs> No, no, no. Too many too Miller many lights. Cups, too many cups of tea at two a.m. I think. <laughs> but um, so I think I think so. So so again, it comes down to the fact that are we? You're saying about lowly Tottenham, right? And, and you know how dare he sort of like you know we're suckling from his tea and all that, which is an evocative image. Um, <laughs> but I think that, but but I think it's something in that, and we are we we know our squad is shit. We want to be better. We've kind of said for years that you know we need someone to stand up to the leadership of the, or the ownership of the comp- uh, of the club and say this needs to change, that needs to change, you know. And I, I and I kind of have come around to the idea about as much as you want these players, you know, your players like you know Ben Davis and oh you know they seem 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 like good lads and oh I can't wait for them to do it. It's like enough. If you're not good enough, just get rid of them. Stop being sort of sentimental about it. So on one hand, we've got this kind of sentimentality about Tottenham and, a, you know, a very sort of emotional connection we have. And then on the other hand, we've got a winner coming in and saying, well, you're not going to win unless you do this, this and this. We want to win, but we don't like being told that we're not good enough to do it. It's a very complicated thing. So as much as, you know, you're right, I don't think he's infallible and I don't I don't think anyone is necessarily... Well, actually, I think he might be bigger than our club. That's the problem. <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing I can't shake. You know that we I mean, say Mourinho that. was as well. You know? <laughs> Mourinho yeah. definitely was. Yeah, but it's just, it's like a big fish in a small pond or not even a fish. It's like a fucking sperm whale like flopping about in your back garden. It doesn't... I, I, it just it just doesn't match up at the moment, you know. Again, it, it, this all might make sense in the summer, but but again, it's like, come on, mate, I'm 38 now. I think I've seen us win three trophies, you know, that I remember seeing us do. 
fucking patience. I'm I just I don't want I don't want to spend the next you know however many weekends or midweeks of this season watching a football club that are just going through the motions again. That's that's the thing that is getting to me. That's the thing that I was so annoyed at the game yesterday. Um, but you're you know you're you're right. Like it, he he does have a responsibility to get the best out of them. And maybe he is. <laughs> maybe this is the best of them. Maybe they just really are falling off a cliff. Speaking of which, Harry Winks is back, isn't he, mate? Yeah, I mean this this is it. So if we were sort of picking picking out individuals, I mean I would immediately say off the bat, despite having initially impressed the trio of Sanchez, Winks, and uh, who the fuck else was I going to say? Christ, Ben Davies. Yeah, Ben Davies in particular. Those three, mate, like, just past couple of games, man, just, just go. Just, like, they're just, yeah. they're just not good enough. Like, you can just see it now. And I don't think, I don't really, I don't think they're bad players. I think, like, Winks gives his all every single time he plays. He obviously loves Tottenham. I think Ben Davies is, he's a very solid squad player. He's somebody that should be there on the bench should we need him. But now, should Tottenham be relying on him in the year of 2022 to basically form part of our defence that's going to push us into the top four absolutely fucking not like yeah you know and it doesn't really come down to his ability for me you know he's known as gentle ben no no more of that no no more of that mindset you know you can't have someone who go falls to pieces all right you know Lloris for the second goal yesterday that was a bit for the first one as well but the second one particularly where davis was involved where he just abysmally like you know played davis into danger which is awful, but have a bit of composure. Just put the ball out. Don't lump it back into the middle of the park. Like, what are you... It doesn't... This is it. Mentality of these 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 guys. And I've just had enough of it. I don't care. I mean, all right, I, I was saying that I was sad to see Deli Ali go, but still, we, we can't have it both ways. We can't have this sentimental approach to these, our boys, you know, A-R-E boys, <laughs> who, who just, who just have, have let us down over and over again. We just, enough. Just get rid of them. Just, just, just napalm the whole thing. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Because, uh, I mean, what? I just, I just, I can't, I cannot quite understand. I can't quite see how 
Yeah, if this is just, like we say, if this just is the new manager bounce wearing off, and again, it's the ability of certain players coming to the fore, you know, that's that's frustrating. Um, but I, I mean, sort of to my point earlier, like I just, I just, I still feel that whether or not we like it as fans, I'm sort of questioning whether or not Conte's approach at the moment is going to get the best out of what he does have at least on him at the moment, you know, because... You know who's who's who likes fucking being publicly told they're shit at their job constantly. You know, and I just I just I'm just worried that he's not really that asked about what Tottenham do, and he's more just worried about preserving his image and you know his kind of reputation. This isn't me. That's that that's that lot's fault. But mm. I just I just don't fully buy that. You know, I don't fully buy it. And it's sort of it's the conversations on there again today about like what Pochettino achieved with the squad he inherited at Tottenham versus what kind of Conte is doing now. And invariably, it's always going to turn to, well, Pochettino had all these amazing players. But I just think that's revising history. Half these players, we know half the players that ended up being, as you say, quote, A-R-E boys during the Pochettino tenure weren't weren't half the players they were until he came in and moulded them and turned them into something yeah. else. So... To say that Conte's been dealt a bad hand, yeah, I do get that. But I'm also like, well, just do, just do what you can with it, though, mate. Like, make make the best of it. And I do, I mean, I think it's, as with most of these things, like when we're talking about the best player ever or we're talking about the best team ever, really, compa- like, reducing things to this sort of level, it's, it's pointless. Like, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's various things that are different between kind of, the expectation and where the bar had been set between Conte and Pochettino and the pressure that's on, you know, one might argue Pochettino had more of a, more of a kind of free hit in terms of there was less expectation on him to finish in the top four. Thus he could start playing young players, stick them in sort of jettison the older heads that aren't performing, stick Mm. in the young players and hope that they do well, knowing that, we don't really have to finish top four this year. Let's be honest. Conte probably has been told you have to finish in the top four. And we always know that level of expectation is really is the enemy of academy players. We've seen it for for years. I mean, you you get the odd few that will come through who are obviously clearly exceptional for their age group, a Mason Mount or a Marcus Rashford or someone like that. But it's not like any of the clubs above us really. Phil Foden, another example. But Phil Foden isn't even a regular. You know, he's not starting all the time, and he's 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 described by some as a generational talent. I think we've all seen the ability that he holds, and it's just the the, the reality of life at this top end of the league is. I think if a manager is faced with right, I can play Davidson Sanchez, who is you know he's a Colombian international, looks great on that stage, has done great things in a in an exciting Ajax team, has played alongside some of Tottenham's best defenders in the past few years. He's probably learned a few things. On his day, is a very good player. Or am I going to risk putting in this 10, 11 mil lad from Swansea who, you know, obviously isn't setting the world alight in training either because however many managers have passed Roden over now, it, it's it's I don't know. It's just it's all very easy for us to see what the problems are. To say like, let's bin them off and just just put in someone new. But the reality is we we can't do that because I don't know. It's just it's funny, isn't it? We kind of like in that whatever it is the old kind of the 
the hieroglyphic of like the snake eating its own tail. That's kind yeah. of where where Tottenham are now because we we kind of we're, we're trapped by what we are and what we want to achieve, but simultaneously what we are and what we want to achieve is stopping us from from kind of taking the next step in what we need to achieve and it's it's just mad and it's it's i don't let's touch because i mean you were we were talking about something quite interesting the other day over the weekend there was it seems to be i mean although it was duncan castles you'd imagine again a bit of no smoke without fire on this failed takeover bid um and we were sort of tossing around the idea that as much as we're all like, what's Conte doing here? What's going on? I mean, potentially there is this idea that he has been told, look, there's big investment coming very soon. We need to kind of finalise the details on this, but it will be coming. There will be money and we'll kind of, we'll be back. But we need you first to be the kind of the draw to this. Um is there anything you sort of want to expand on that at all, mate? I mean, because it sounds it's pretty sound in my. Opinion. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's again Occam's razor. You just it's a good way to view life. All the signs are pointing to that being the case. Um, it has. It, I think I said to you yesterday that the the fact that you know people say Enoch has invested in the club. They haven't really. They bought the club and then they've kind of you know upped season ticket prices and whatever so it's the fans who have invested in this club and now Enoch are basically just going to bin the club off that's good but I'm, I'm st- my back is a little bit up about that but anyway that's beside the point um it makes sense doesn't it that that theory that Conte is here is to, 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 they say look come in this season steady the ship or do whatever he doesn't seem overly stressed out that's the thing he doesn't seem like he's yeah, pulling his hair out, which he wouldn't do because it would quickly all <laughs> all fall out. But I, I do. Th- it does seem like something. It, again, it's just it. It just it, it's this why that the, this this question that I've been asking myself, not just about <laughs> Antonio Conte, just every aspect of my life. But why why is he here? It doesn't quite make sense. Levy's gone. You know that that, that whole side. It's gone very sort of quiet. It. I, I think there's there's something valid in it that we will be bought out pretty soon, if not, you know, end of this season towards the summer. And it'll be a whole new kind of... Um, well, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll have more investment, we'll have more money, we'll have a different operating model. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can see it happening. That, I don't think that's necessarily wishful thinking either. That's looking at suddenly there was a bid for three mil, three billion which you know what 2.3 billion and then the 700 million debt that was you know it, that was on the table we turned it down just because of the 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 fact that it would have to go on the stock exchange that suddenly feels like you know things are happening in the background that we're not it's not being leaked leaked to us it's we're not knowing about it so yeah i definitely think that it's a it's a plausible idea how do you feel about the because I'm, I'm interested to know if it will be a straight up takeover, new board, everything like that, or if it's going to be like a, a big investment buying a, you know, it's it's buying a large part of the club. It's buying, I don't know, the the chance to be kind of, 
affiliated with whatever the first NFL franchise in the UK or whatever it is that you'd imagine will probably come with American money, you know, um, yeah. because the athletic, and again, this is something I got dug out on Twitter for saying is because I, I guess people thought I was suggesting this as my original idea. I was, I was sort of commenting on the news that Daniel Levy will probably stay in charge. Um, whatever happens in terms of any sort of potential takeover, even if it's just in a kind of stewardship interim period. And I was sort of saying, I don't actually think that's the worst idea. You know, we don't know what the kind of Soros family or whoever it is that does end up taking us over um, knows or doesn't know about football. Um, you know, do we do we want somebody or even if it's not them doing it directly, do we want some, you know, ghoul like Amanda Staveley or whoever it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Managing our day-to-day yeah. kind of, because that's the type of person that it would be, no doubt. Um, some sort of hanger-on to power and to money that can kind of dupe their way into saying that they know the landscape of UK football and all these sort of things. Because I, I, I completely appreciate the frustrations with Daniel Levy and I share a lot of them myself, but I still, I don't know, I've always just sort of, I've never fully bought into the like let's dig him out entirely type mentality because nah. you know we're the same sort of age mate like growing up Tottenham were fucking awful Tottenham were fucking awful for and uh, you know anyone older than us probably would say well we weren't but that's what happened we went completely downhill after the 80s we went completely to pot and pretty much up until Enoch came in we were terrible and then we've just and seen... no end in sight by the way yeah. either and I just think it's very hard to deny that they have had a positive effect on the club um, in many ways when we look at where we are now and I, I mean I th- you know I get it I think it I think it, I don't know there's a lot of things there's a lot of times when I waver on it when I think about like the stadium versus the old stadium but I, I start to question whether or not that's even Enoch and whether that's just them doing making the cold decisions that we need to to keep up with modern football. You know, a lot of mm. a lot of this comes down to the fact that football is also inherently shit now, and it just is. And we can get kind of frustrated and wound up about the minutiae of what happens at Tottenham because there's plenty of reason to get annoyed about that, and there's plenty of cases to say, look at what Leicester have done; they've won a Premier League. I mean, come on, but whatever, you know, it's, it's a kind of, it's a winning lottery ticket, them winning that Premier League that year. But still, they have won an FA Cup after that. They've won the Charity Shield. They've they've done well for themselves. And people would say, well, why haven't Spurs been able to do that? And mm. again, I think it's, it's kind of different. I think people... Tottenham are probably the team with the most fucking rivals in the world. I swear, like, <laughs> every game is every game. Someone wants to put one over us. You know, they? if it's not for the amount of London clubs that there are, there's just you know, there's just weird rivalries all over the shop. Teams like Southampton that just yeah, de- yeah. that just detest us. Teams like Leicester and that Wolves detest Wolves us. Don't particularly like us either. You know, oh, well, yeah. we beat them in a fucking UEFA Cup like in antiquity now. You know, yeah, it's. I don't know, but I mean, to my point on Levy, it's just, I I kind of, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for him to stay in charge for a while, at least. He understands the club, you know, at least maybe through his own kind of narrow prism, but he still, Mm. he still gets it to a degree, um, or at least he understands what's expected of, 
of the club and the way it should operate from the fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in two minds about that. I'll play devil's advocate just for a moment. Devil's avocado. Devil's avocado. He, without knowing the kind of ins and outs and the kind of big decisions that we will never know about that has kind of benefited Tottenham, um, we only know the kind of public mistakes and and all that sort of thing. Yeah, right, stadium, blah, blah, blah. What what is he actually what they've done? They've made us again, they've made fans pay the most for least return in terms of, you know, quote glory. Could someone else have done better? If that's you know, if that's kind of what's happened, you know, they've made us they've made it more expensive to go and see Spurs and therefore we've built a new stadium. Is that is that a masterclass from Lever or is that just business sense that anyone would have probably done and potentially done it better as well? I don't know. Um, in, again, that's devil's advocate. But I, I think that in terms of him moving forward, I'd be... I, I, you, you're right, it is better the devil you know. But I do, I do think if you're giving up control, then just do one, mate. What 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 you you say he knows the club you say he know he knows it will therefore would that not be a barrier to change that that's that would be my only concern again without knowing kind of what what his role is now because I imagine his role now is quite is is more reduced than it was um, probably across lots of aspects would he is he the best sort of like figurehead to have leading a a new era i don't i don't know i don't think the optics of that are good it, it that wouldn't make much sense to me as as a kind of a new investor you know we we are bringing the club forward but here's this guy you hate <laughs> leading it still being the chairman or whatever and I, I know you know there could be someone awful who doesn't know anything about football doesn't have a have a grasp on sport at all it might be being harsh on him, but does he? Like, his business decisions has been great. His sporting decisions, not so much. I don't know. It's 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 a. There's still so many unknowns about what goes on behind the scenes to be able to fairly judge him as a complete, you know, disaster and and, and a bloke that's just sucking the blood out of the kind of the club and the fans and whatever, which is what's how some people paint him. But I don't know. I think that if, if we're moving forward, then feels like Levy's legacy should end there and, and that be okay as well. Not be like, thank fuck we're rid of him. You know, he, he can point to saying, you know, we were nothing when, when, when he, when Enoch bought us, now we're at least something. And now it's over to this new regime to take us forward. I think that's that would probably be my pre- be preferred option, but I don't know. Again, there's there's so many downsides to that, isn't there? Look, mate, I didn't invite you on my pod to come and mug me off in front of all my pals. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I am your pals. Yeah, yeah, true. I'm the only person you speak to, mate. You, you, my <laughs> wife, and my mum. <laughs> And, and I'm probably the one who mugs you off and, least. And I was going to say, yeah, and you're the only one that listens to this out of those three. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, uh, no, it is a fair point. I do kind of I, no, because I, I do get it because it's. I think we, I guess, given how sort of toxic the air 
is is turning now. Um, whether or not you agree with kind of Enoch in or whatever Enoch out, it's. I guess if you do, if you are having a fresh start to something, you do need that clean slate, and like you say, probably one of the most divisive figures in all that. Whether or not he's kind of correctly or not cast as that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably not going to be conducive to getting the atmosphere and everything back and getting everybody on side. Um, Cause it's a shame because it's, it's still just, we haven't had that proper, like, you know, we had the champions league quarterfinal against city, but as we've all said, we still not had that sort of sustained period of being really good at the new stadium. And I think to be fair, I do wonder even how much that plays into it. It's still kind of players and everybody just getting used to the new ground. Cause we still haven't had that actually long in it, you know? We, yeah, we, yeah. We've had fucking COVID for the past two years on and off that's meant that people still haven't, you know... I've only been a handful of... T- I'm not a season ticket holder, but I sort of, throughout my life, I've made an effort to go to a lot of home games and I've barely been to the new ground much, you know? Um, mm. So it's still feel, there's still an air of it feeling new and a bit of a novelty when I do go there. Um yeah, there, there's certain things that you can't force, and you're right. Like the organic nature of what a what a stadium is to people, and what you know, you know, these kind of, it might be kind of romantic or mystical points, but you know, the, the the very kind of bricks and mortar of it feels like home. We're not there yet with that stadium for those reasons that you said, definitely. Um, but yeah, so all right, patience, but it's. Um, I, I, I think I think if if there is a new takeover, again, not to like double down on my mug off, I do I do think it's probably best if we. I mean, you know, he Levy could probably be a sort of interim um, chairman or or whatever or, or figurehead within it, just just for the kind of transition, as opposed to just kind of you know leaving the keys on the front on the kitchen table and then never coming back when a deal's signed but it's a bit different to leaving the car keys in the pot isn't it like, yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I don't know how are you feeling about City uh, I wouldn't say terrified I'm quite um, I feel like I'm sort of in, in, in the prison just awaiting the gallows well, kind of just come to just, just, just sort of like oh well you know my last appeal failed I'll come to, I'm, at, I'm at pace with getting an absolute shellacking because they are on another level. It's just it's not even kind of interesting now how they can just demolish a team. It's I mean, but still, because I still have this stupid thing. I'm like, yeah, but we're sort of in City's head, and like, I can, I can just I don't know. I can just see us getting a sort of draw or maybe even doing them. You know, well, we might be in City's head, but we're also in our heads. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem, right? At the moment, we we'll beat ourselves. We'll find a way to mess up, or you know, it's a perfect sort of unpressured game where you just you suddenly you're not expected to get anything, and they and they don't completely embarrass themselves. That that's that that's as much as I'll say. That's as much as, and that's not necessarily being positive or negative. That's just being realistic. We might n- not get completely dismantled. That's that's my prediction for the game. That's my positive prediction for the game. It's funny, isn't it? Because City's just it's just never really a yardstick for how good or not Tottenham are. Because I just I, 
the fucking Nuno beat them. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, just something. Yeah. It's just something we've got with them. Um, that was lucky on our point because they weren't they didn't they just have like half their players missing and you know they hadn't been training or something you know there was some delays to it fuck knows I don't I I can't make but still that does play into the fact that it's always us that benefits from that yeah and I don't know it's just it's it's a it's a funny one because they are they are just miles better than us and it could be just literally this kind of thing that we show up and we just get done two three nil you know that because that yeah. does, that does happen to Tottenham, you know. Yeah, our oh, we never win at the Emirates, so let's not bother winning today. Yeah, um, are you are you sort of hopeful about top four still? Um, do you know what? I think I was hopeful for a let's just win the games we've got in hand, and then it will ju- it will just take care of itself. You know, I think we'll be good for it. You know, I, I think I even said before the Southampton game that if I was a neutral, I couldn't see past Spurs doing it. Now, if I was a neutral, I'd be like, no, nah, they fucked it. So I am i don't think we have the stones to be able to kind of pull it out now. I, I think this, this has been such a damaging week for us. And the next couple of weeks will likely only compound that. So I don't, I don't see us, I don't see us having the wherewithal to do it. We need to really kind of pull together during this period during February to then you know take a run at the kind of our, our, our running which isn't bad but again the, these these last couple of games look like they should be winnable they should have been winnable on paper if a team wants to be getting to the top four we failed that and we failed it quite miserably that doesn't give me any confidence for being able to somehow suddenly pull it out of the bag and annoyingly on an inverse to that it's been a pretty much like it's been a pretty confidence boosting week for Arsenal hasn't it which is the sort of annoying thing that hard fought victory away at Wolves which is yeah yeah I mean I I don't know who's now going to get it I I would say it's not going to be us or Arsenal I would say it's probably going to be West Ham by default you know I don't I still don't think anyone's going to really kind of blaze it but Man, Man United are we all know what they're like. They just can't seem to do it. They can't seem to be consistent. West Ham are probably the most consistent, so I could just see them doing it. Or Wolves, like. But again, I don't think we're a good yardstick to see how good a team is. No, it's. I don't know, man. It's. It's just it does worry me. Like if we do lose to City, that's four defeats on the trot. And James Moore tweeted um, last night. That's that would be the first time in eighteen years. That Tottenham have lost four on the trot. It, really? Yeah, it's that's astout, astounding. I guess it just shows you where we have been for the past few years, and you know, you, you, we've sort of been saying it to one another. You can't escape from the fact that these past few weeks, these past couple of seasons, really, it has just felt reminiscent a bit now of like early noughties Tottenham. Mm, you know, mm. it's it's just been that sort of not even going into games kind of thinking oh you know what we might actually do this I mean I know it's a sort of contradiction to what I was just saying about us being City but that's based on other things this is more yeah. just uh, even against like Wolves and Southampton I wasn't I wasn't fuming because I was kind of like yeah that's sort of what happens to us now you know and I, I don't really want to sound as like negative and defeatist as that because I still think we have some very good players and I still think, you know, the foundation is there at least for Tottenham to be a very good team and to hopefully kick on. 
much quicker than other teams can. But sooner, sooner or later, literally sooner or later, Tottenham have to just get their act together. We got to do something because, I, you know, people can say whatever they want. Oh, it's not the same anymore. Blow up. Newcastle are coming. Like Newcastle are coming. Yeah. The yeah. competition for places at the top is going to get harder and harder and harder. Like Everton have been horrific this year, so I probably won't include them in that, but they still spend a lot of money. <laughs> you know, it, United have been away for a while. There's sooner or later they're going to come back proper. Arsenal are building again. It's it's getting harder and harder. And, you know, we've built this fucking ground. <laughs> like we've we've banked on a future that is good you know and at the moment it feels like we're in this limbo and I think this is why in particular because I'm seeing that and this is one thing I sort of want to rage against as well as we're sort of in the in the well at least as I'm in the spirit of doing so on today's podcast is I've seen quite a few of these takes of like god Spurs fans are so embarrassing they're so entitled they're so this and everything like that on Twitter it's like well I mean I think within within reason, people are allowed to be kind of annoyed, you know. And I think Twitter. I don't think entitled uh, entitled is, is is the wrong word, isn't it? I don't think that's the case. You can, as you say, you can be pissed off because, as I said early in the pod, that we spend we we as fans spend a lot of money, and it that doesn't you know entitle you to any kind of. Um, glory or or fit or results or whatever but but it almost doing, sort of does <laughs> but yeah but if we're talking about if money is such is is the root of all kind of success in football and it's like well we we are the you know we are the fans that are paying the most literally out of our pockets we're, we're not relying on a a kind of you know billionaire to kind of dope the club financially it is us and i, I think it is a bit unfair to be like oh you're so entitled you don't you don't deserve you don't deserve anything it's like well which what is it you know who does deserve it yeah. Newcastle fans no <laughs> and I just think but this is this is kind of it because I don't think it's a sense of entitlement I think it's a sense of like just a lack of real joy at the moment at the club because we've all had fucking good times at Tottenham in the past I don't think Tottenham fans have been you know, I, I get it. You know, probably our expectations have shifted, but that's only natural. You know, it's. I don't think yeah. it's some like, like kind of aberrative fault in the kind of fan base of Tottenham. I think it's number one. It's kind of just what football is like. It's an emotional game. You know, if you're going on Twitter and expecting kind of reasoned debate after Tottenham have just lost a game that you know arguably they should have won or at least given a better account of themselves in, yeah. You know, then I think you've been disingenuous if you think this is a reflection on the fan base being a total embarrassment and everything. But it's people are allowed to be a bit annoyed about this, and I think as as we sort of touched on, kind of thematically at least throughout this pod, is this this sort of limbo that Tottenham are in constantly because we've got this lovely, great stadium. We're constantly told we sort of like should be quality and we should be brilliant, and Tottenham should be doing better than this. Tottenham should be sort of recruiting other man like better managers or better players or you know all this kind of stuff that the pundits will say but then at the same time when it comes down to it we're always the first to get dug out we're still shit Tottenham we're still this we're still you know when Gary Neville was sort of raging against the fucking um European Super League when he was sort of had to get a dig in about why are Tottenham are part of this and 
all this type of thing. It's it, we're just constantly caught in this limbo of like, what are we? What are we supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. You and tell us our expectation, what our expectations should be, and and we'll 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 match that accordingly. Don't tell us we're, at, you know. Again, we 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 pay the most, and this is sounding like a bit of a Tory thing, but it's not. It's like you know we we pay the most because we are investing in the club and investing in the the future and and the success of the club. We're not just investing because it's it's a it's an honour to be able to sit in one of those seats. It's not how it works. No, and um, uh, you know if we're talking about Tottenham fans being entitled, I would say probably I would say ninety. 90% of Spurs fans, really. You get a few kind of people that don't agree or whatever, and then you have people that kind of also, you can tell, just do edgy takes because they want to do that. And that's that's, yeah. that's life. That's what happens. But 90% of Spurs fans that I come into contact with will hold up the Pochettino era as the greatest time of their life. And we won absolutely fuck all in that. Yeah. But we were having a laugh. We were having fun. We had we felt an identity. We felt an affinity with the players, with the club, with all of it. It was amazing. It was it was the fucking best time to be alive as a Tottenham fan. It's not entitlement to want to fucking enjoy football again. No, because that's, that's, it. that's all yeah. it is. We, you know, yeah. we're not saying I want to win the Premier League every single year and I want to win the Champions League every single. Year. I just want to fucking enjoy the football again. That's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's it's just stop making me miserable. <laughs> I don't just like no one deserves to be made miserable. It's it's not it's not entitled to say stop making me feel bad about myself. <laughs> that's all it comes down to. That is pathetic. But that's that's that that is what it is. Stop making me want to tweet things in caps lock. <laughs> You'll stop doing this to me, please. I'm begging you, please. <laughs> you know that old that Phil Mitchell clip that people say, please. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't do this. That is that's that's we should put that on the flag. Yeah. Please don't do this. Just hold it off. Get rid of the Pochettino one of him. The other one of him on the RG flag, standing with his arms out. Phil Mitchell's head on a big fuck off Union Jack in the centre of it. Please don't do this, THFC. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.